The radio program on this track is from a series known as Rocky Jordan. It was an adventure drama series broadcast on CBS Radio from October 1948 to September 1950, and it starred Jack Moyles as Rocky Jordan, an American owner of the Cafe Tambourine located in Cairo. Actor Jay Novello played the part of Captain Sam Sabai of the uh, Cairo Police. And then from June to August of 1951, the series returned, but starring George Raft as Rocky Jordan. Now, Jordan's Cafe Tambourine, being located in Cairo, sort of the gateway to the ancient East, is where there was a lot of adventure and intrigue to be found in each of the episodes in the series. Jordan was a rugged hero. Each week he was confronted with a crime, a mystery, a beautiful woman, or a combination of all three. This was really a detective show performed in an oriental background, and it really sounded like no other detective series. The ideas for the stories came from newspapers of the era, like when an Egyptian dug up a relic on his property and decided to sell it on the black market. He got caught, and this became the basis for a Rocky Jordan tale about black marketeers operating out of Cairo. Jordan most always got involved by accident, and his involvement brought him into contact with Captain Sam Sabai of the Cairo police, who often uh, came into the story at the very end to put the uh, shackles or the cuffs on the criminals. The series was known for its authentic sounding oriental music score and the announcer Larry Thor's bold and gritty work. You might remember that I mentioned the show ran for the summer in 1951, but with the actor George Raft playing the role of Rocky Jordan. On this track you'll hear an adventurous story starring Jack Moyles entitled 20 Fathoms Under from February 20th, 1949. And on the podcast I chose a story from 1951 with George Raft playing the role of Rocky Jordan that aired on July 25, 1951, and is entitled Valley of Death. That is on a separate track. This is Alum Radio, a different kind of oldies program. I'm your host, John Lovering. I thank you for the privilege of your time listening to the work of these extremely talented vocal actors, writers, producers, directors, sound effects technicians, composers, musicians, and audio engineers that entertained and informed America as the only immediate form of mass media for about 20 years, from 1930 to 1950. One of the goals of Alum Radio is to highlight this brief but powerful time in American and world culture. Thank you. Time now for Rocky Jordan. Not far from the Mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages 
For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, 20 Fathoms Under. I was standing out in front of my cafe tambourine getting a little of the afternoon sun. A lemonade seller with his jingling urn drifted by. I was enjoying myself till I looked down the street and saw a guy feeling out his sea legs on the narrow sidewalk. His weather-beaten face slit with a grin from ear to ear. I hadn't seen him for three years, and I didn't especially want to see him now, so I ducked inside. But he sailed in behind me like a schooner in a high wind. Ahoy, Mitchie! Rocky! Rocky, lad. Oh. Hello, Sandy. Well, no, that's better. You wouldn't be forgetting old Sandy McQuill, now, would you? Eh, three long years, now I'm back. Uh, come on to a table. We'll be drinking on it. Uh, on you this time, Sandy? Ahoy, bartender. Bring us a bottle. Look alive. What do you want, Sandy? Uh, what do I want, lad? Rocky, I've sailed every port from Shanghai to Cape Town. But I wouldn't be passing up an old friend now, would I? Oh, not if you had an angle. I know you to be an honorable man. And I'll give the belay and pin to the man that's as different. Uh, uh, here we are. Oh, uh, Sandy's paying for this, Chris. Aye, lad. Uh, this is a great day for us, Rocky. Now then, lad. To the old days. It'll cost uh, you 24 piastres. Uh, you'll get it, lad, and plenty more. Uh, scud up alongside, Rock. Oh, I can take it from here. What are you asking for, Sandy? Asking, Rocky. Nothing of the kind. Listen, did you ever hear the Mandara? She was sailing for the sewers three months ago, loaded to the gunnels with a cargo worth a king's ransom. Oh, save the yarn, Sandy. Wait, lad. The Mandara sailed into bad luck. Rocky, didn't you read of this? A stray mine from the war blasted the Mandara, and it went down off Rasab and Funderak and all its cargo with it. Maybe I did read about it. But why tell me? It's ours, Rocky. Free booty of the high seas for them that gets it. It's there, waiting for us. Salvage? No, no, no. I can handle it, Rocky. And I'm letting you in. Fifty-fifty. <laughs> of course, nobody else thought of bringing the Mandara up. That's just it, lad. The brig was off its course. It went down in a fog. Nobody knows exactly where it is. But you do. Aye, Rocky, that I do. Right to a compass point. How'd you find out? <laughs> a man sailing the seven seas has ways of learning things, lad. Here, I'll show you the map. <laughs> Who gave you that, Captain Kidd? Yeah, cast your binnacles on this now. Look, there's the Suez. The Mandara followed a course through the Red Sea. And there's Rasab and Funderak. The Mandara went down there. Yeah, see the mark? Uh, there's what Davy Jones got her. Twenty fathoms under. Oh, sorry, Sandy, but my money's all tied up in Abyssinian grasshoppers this year. <laughs> yeah, you don't follow me. It's not money I'm after. What else? Uh, you've got a motor launch still tied up at Port Said, I'm thinking. The one you sailed down from Istanbul. Yeah, only because nobody'd buy the tub. Is that all you want? Aye, Rocky. It's good enough. I'll rig it for diving and man it with a couple of buckos from the Said wharves. That's all I'm asking for, Rocky. What do you say? Sure, why not? And I hope it sinks before you get out of the harbor. 
<laughs> yeah, never you worry. Sandy McWill can sail any brig with a hull. Uh, you'll sign the papers to get me out of port? Yeah, and out of the tambourine. And there'll be some papers for you to sign. Uh, wait. Uh, this map, Rocky. Look at it well. Uh, just get it off the table. Now, only you and I know, lad. We'll keep it that way, eh? Sure, but... Hey, what are you doing? Uh, just a little precaution, lad. Uh, the map's burning merrily. Uh, that calls for a chaser, I'm thinking. Look, burning a map gets too corny, Sandy. Suppose you move along now, huh? Yeah, uh, Rocky. I'll uh, hoist anchor. You'll wait for me here? Sure, sure. Come back in another three years. <laughs> You'll hear from Sandy McWill again, lad. And so... Hey, wait a minute. What about the drinks? Chris made a move from behind the bar to stop him, but I said not to bother. Sandy McQuill had a habit of barging into my life every few years. Whatever the pitch, he never got off with very much. I figured this time he was just around for free drinks. He hadn't told me where he was going, and I didn't care. Well, by the next evening, I hadn't heard from him again, and I was real glad. McQuill was clear out of my mind when the office phone opened up. Uh, Cafe Tambourine. Mr. Rocky Jordan? Uh, Jordan speaking, lady. What can I do for you, Miss Lee? I am calling at the command of my father, Sen Wang Lee. Do I know him? No, you have not met. My father instructs me to tell you that he wishes most urgently to talk with you. Well, all right. He'll find me around the bar most any time of day. My father is unable to meet you there. It is his wish that you honor him with your presence in his most humble home. What does he want, Miss Lee? My uh, father wishes to talk to you about the Mandara. Uh, wait a minute. What makes your father think I know anything about the Mandara? He read it in the paper, Mr. Jordan. Look, Miss Lee, I don't know what this is all about, but tell Mr. Lee I've got nothing to do with the ship. But, Mr. Jordan, the paper said... I don't care what the paper said. It's a mistake. But my father... Just tell your father to forget about the whole thing. There's nothing to it. At all, Miss Lee? I made it out to the corner in ten seconds flat. I grabbed the evening edition of the Cairo Mail, flipped a couple of piastres to the newsboy, and started looking. It didn't take long. When I turned to page three, my picture jumped out at me. And the story below my picture, written in newsy Arabic, didn't miss a thing. Rocky Jordan, noted proprietor of the Cafe Tambourine, reported financing an expedition from Port Said to salvage the ill-fated Mandara. Oh, there were a lot more details, and all a build-up for Rocky Jordan. Wasn't long till all sorts of people came driving around. A fellow wanted to sell me a diving helmet. Another called to sell me a home on the Nile. And a lady came in for a contribution to the home for aged camel drivers. Oh, there were a lot more calls, and I didn't like it. I finally left the receiver off the hook. Just then, I saw a stout, bald-headed man in a new suit looking in from the office doorway. Mr. Jordan, I am Jacob Matson. Oh, I see you got a paper, too, Mr. Matson. Why? As a matter of fact, that is what I came about. I am with the Continental Insurance Company. Sorry, I'm not in the market for insurance or anything else. I'm afraid you don't understand. You see, my company issued a policy on the Mandara and its cargo. Sit down, Mr. Matson. Thank you. Now, what's the trouble? No, no trouble, Mr. Jordan, but we are naturally most interested in your plans to salvage the Mandara. 
That's free booty? Of course. You see, we paid off in full for the loss of the ship and its cargo. That's what puzzles us. I don't follow. The cargo of the Mandara consisted only of tea, rice, and other perishables. That's hardly worth salvaging. Go on. Naturally, my company is interested to learn if there was something else. Something not mentioned in our policy. I wish I could tell you. (laughs) I see. After releasing such a complete story to the newspapers, Mr. Jordan, we felt that you might be willing to discuss this matter. It's a fact, Mr. Matson. I'd tell you if I knew. Uh, you know where the Mandara went down? More or less. Would you be willing to reveal the source of your information? I wouldn't. Oh, by the way, uh, why don't you talk to whoever collected the insurance money? That's hardly possible. He has uh, disappeared. Any idea where? Who knows? Perhaps like others who knew too much about the Mandara, he is dead. Yeah. You understand my company's interest now, Mr. Jordan? Maybe. I'll let you know what I find. Oh, thank you. Good day, Mr. Jordan. Jacob Matson put on his pinched glasses. They dropped off again, and he went out. Right then, I decided to toss the ball to the Cairo police before they started coming to me. I found Captain Sam Sabaya inspecting a long row of newly fumigated cells. I got the feeling he was laughing at me when I showed up, but his face didn't show it. Well, how convenient, Jordan. I've been trying to call you. Oh, my phone's been real busy. Ah, well, such is the price of fame. Anything uh, special you called about? Yes, Jordan. It is about the item in the afternoon paper. Hey, do you like my picture, Sam? <laughs> it should attract a certain type of clientele to your tambourine. I don't know quite how to take that. That one is okay. Jordan, how did you come by this information about the Mandara? In the first place, Sam, I didn't put that item in the paper. I'd like to know who did and why. Then you have no intention of this salvage operation? A friend of mine thinks he knows where the Mandara went down. I said he could use my boat, that's all. What does he think he'll find? I don't know. Could you not ask him? Sure, and I will. After I've found out what you've got in the Mandara... The information in the newspaper article is correct, Jordan. The ship was reported sunk by a mine, obviously still floating from the war. This cell will do. Anything more, Sam? Yes, and this will perhaps interest you, Jordan. Only the captain and four of the crew escaped from the sinking ship. Since then, three of the crew have suffered violent deaths, all in the same manner. I am interested, Sam. What else? The captain and owner of the Mandara is not to be found now. Perhaps he also has been killed. Well, what about the fifth one? The first mate, a man named Pete Limbo, is still living in Cairo. We have questioned him repeatedly. Get anything out of him? No, nothing. Inspection complete. I am sure he knows, but he will not tell. We've been watching him. Where does he live? We're not frequenting the bars. He can be found at a place on Sharia Naga. Let's have another talk with him, Sam. Sometimes Sam surprises me, like this time. Without batting an eye, he called for his black limousine. In about 15 minutes, we were driving down Sharia Naga, trying to miss the bumps. An excited cluster of natives were crowded around an open doorway as we pulled up to the curb. When they saw the police car, they scattered like ducks in hunting season. It looks like something's up. Better get in there, Sam. Perhaps you're right. Come along, Jordan. Here. This is Limbo's room. Open up! Open up in there! Thank you.
feet limbo? It was. Didn't watch him any too well, Sam. We could not watch him every minute, Georgia. Yeah, I know. Somebody sure took care of him. Exactly as the other three, Jordan. Hung by the thumbs and then the knife. Sam began rounding up the other folks in the building, but there was nothing to be learned from them. Me, I wanted to round up a certain Sandy McQuill and get a few answers. So I went scouting for a taxi. It was dark by now with no traffic along the narrow Sharianaga. I spotted a dim light a couple of blocks up and made for it. As I passed an alley, I knew I should have stayed with Sabaya. <laughs> Two powerful shadows moved out quick and pinned me to the wall. I tried to make it interesting, but right then I felt a cord wrap around my neck. A silken cord drawn tight. I stopped fighting real quick. You're smart, Jordan. You got respect for the cord, huh? It can get awful tight. Yeah. All we got to do is pull. A little too hard. Maxi pulls his end. I pull mine. Look, what's the big idea? Shut up. All you got to do is listen. Yeah, we got information. So get it, Jordan. Keep away from the ocean. You might get seasick. I'm not going anywhere. That's right, Jordan. You know something about the Mandara? If you do, forget it. Forget real fast. Nobody's diving for the Mandara, Jordan. Especially not me. Know why? Because there's nothing there you want. Nothing. Go back to the tambourine, Jordan. Stay there, you'll live longer. And you know what if you don't? Next time, we'll twist the cord. Cider! And cider! And cider! They both gave a last twist. My breath was gone, and I went spinning off to the moon. The curtains were closing in when the cord loosened. Then they slammed me back into the alley and were gone. listening to 20 Fathoms Under, tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. You'll find the chills colder, the excitement sharper, and the stories better on CBS Mystery. At nine tomorrow night, enjoy thrilling mystery on Inner Sanctum when the creaking door opens and exposes a man returned from the dead. Then on Tuesday night, remember Mr. and Mrs. North at 8.30, followed by Mystery Theater at nine. Yes, you'll find colder chills, sharper excitement, and better stories on CBS Mystery. And now we take you back to Cairo and tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan, 20 Fathoms Under. It was all started by a sea dog named Sandy McQuill who wanted to salvage the sunken freighter Mandara. The cargo of the Mandara was supposed to be nothing but tea and rice. And after the sinking, members of the crew had been killed one by one, all in the same manner. I didn't want any part of it, but the story got spread all over the newspapers with my picture. Then a couple of guys gave me the silk cord treatment with threats to lay off and dump me in an alley. I finally got my breath and was working on the idea of trying to get up, and I noticed her round, soft face looking down at me. Her eyes were curious, but not afraid. What is it that has happened here? Don't you know? Your neck. Silken cord. And you live? Leah, haven't I heard your voice before? I do not know. 
I am Ming Li. Ming Li. Oh, you called me on the phone this afternoon. And you are Rocky Jordan. Just where did you come from? I was searching for you. I'll bet you were. Mr. Jordan, I am but obeying the command of my father, Sen Wang Li. He wishes to speak with you. Doesn't give up easy, does he? My father feels that it is most important. Will you come with me now? Maybe I've been pushed around enough for tonight. But my father does not wish you harm. Just questions, huh? Perhaps more. Come, let me help you. All right, Ming. Let's go see what Sen Wong Lee has on his mind. This way, Mr. Jordan. Ming Lee tripped ahead, and I followed her down a twisting lane. She took me into the Chinese sector, where the houses overhanging the street almost touched overhead. At one of the doors, we turned and went in. Ming led me down a dimly lit hall, off another corridor, and finally into a room rich with tapestries. A little heavy on the incense for me, but furnished in the dignity of the upper-class Chinese. Standing in front of a teakwood desk was an old Chinese in Mandarin dress. But something else caught my eye as he took a couple of steps toward me. He was the first Chinese I'd ever seen with a pig leg. I have obeyed your command, my father. You honor my house, Mr. Jordan. That is all, Ming. I am Sen Wong Li. Look, Mr. Lee, I'll clear up a couple of points real quick. I don't know what's on the Mandara worth salvaging. In fact, I don't know where it went down. And yet we have read that you plan to find the Mandara. Mr. Lee, what I want to know is why you and a couple of dozen other people in Cairo care whether I salvage the Mandara or not. The interest of other people is not my affair, Mr. Jordan, but for me it is most imperative. Enough to set two muscle men on me with a silken cord? Mr. Jordan, let me explain. The... Captain and owner of the Mandara insured the ship far beyond its worth. It was his plan to sail to Shanghai and take on a cargo of tea and rice. Go on. Sailing back into the Red Sea, the captain then conspired to sink his own ship, report the disaster from a floating mine, and collect the insurance. But I still Wait, don't... Wait, Mr. Jordan. While in port at Shanghai, the captain was approached by my brother, a most respected man who had to leave China secretly and quickly. The captain accepted a high fee to bring my brother and his wife to Egypt. Uh-huh. Only they never got here. Only the captain and four of his crew came off the Mandara when it went down. Now you understand my interest in your venture? Yeah. And maybe why the escaping crew of the Mandara have been wiped out. Chinese retribution? Uh, Mr. Jordan, my only interest is to recover the body of my brother and his wife... So that someday I might bury them with their ancestors? Mr. Lee, I think I should talk this over with Sandy McQuill. A man by that name was seen two days ago talking with the first mate of the Mandara. The first mate was quite drunk. Yeah, he gave McQuill the map and now he's dead too. I can also tell you where Sandy McQuill is living. Sandy McQuill's address turned out to be a third-rate hotel, past the Frank Quarter and near the Hassan Bazaar. I took the steps up two flights and slammed at McQuill's door. Oh, Rocky lot. That's right. We got a salvage deal, remember? Well, uh, sure, Rocky. Well, bags all packed and ready to go, I see. For sure, I'm shoving off right away. For Port Said? Ah, let's go. On the way, you can clear up plenty. Eh... Uh, uh, no, Rocky. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've changed my mind. 
Uh, the Mandara's no good for us. Hey, wait a minute. We made a deal to salvage that hulk. You said there's valuable cargo aboard. Forget it, my boy. Forget it. Uh, I'm setting my sails for Marseille. Uh, there's a little girl that's waiting. Uh, you know. I... Cut it, Sandy. Cut it. Just why did you change your mind? Like I told you, lucky lad. Answer me something, will you? Did a guy named Pete Limbo give you that map to the Mandara? You seen Limbo? Yeah, I saw him. Hanging by his thumbs. A knife did the rest. Yeah, you see, Rocky lad. Uh, we're getting out to this. It was that story you put in the newspaper. You queered everything. Yeah, it's another thing. Just how did that story get in the paper? Uh, I don't know. Rocky, don't you see? It's best I'll that tell you they... what I think. I think you put it there to set me up as a kingpin. I don't know just why, but... Oh, no, Rocky lad. Would I do that to me old drinking mate from Frisco days? And to think of it, maybe you never planned to take my boat out after all. The whole deal was a cover-up for something else. Oh, it ain't so, Rocky. Suppose I get it in the papers just who does know where the Mandara went down. You, Sandy. No, Rocky, for what good reason? Think about it. Pete Limbo might not be the last to hang by his thumbs. Oh, you wouldn't do that, lad. You wouldn't do that to Sandy McQuill. All right, then. Grab your bags and come on. Uh, where are we going? We're catching the night train to Port Said. You're going to go diving for the Mandara if I have to let you down by the heels. You are listening to 20 Fathoms Under, tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. The Unafraid, an emotion-filled screenplay, is presented by Lux Radio Theater tomorrow Monday night at 6. Burt Lancaster and Joan Fontaine star in their original roles. So don't miss the radio adaptation of The Unafraid with Burt Lancaster and Joan Fontaine on Radio Theater Monday night at 6 on CBS. Now we take you back to Cairo and tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan, 20 Fathoms Under. Well, when McQuill and I got to Port Said, we found we couldn't have sailed my motor launch in a bathtub. So I rented a salvage rig at the docks, dug up a couple of bumps to help man it, and we headed down the canal. McQuill steered and seemed to know where he was going. It was early the following morning, far down the Red Sea. The sun was just beginning to cut through a fog that had followed us all the way from Shadwan Island. Hey, what's that to the starboard, Sandy? Uh, the best I can make out through the fog, that's the point there, Rocky. That's Ross Harbin Funderak. Now listen, Rocky lad, I'm telling you again, this ain't for us. You'd better find it, Sandy. Cut the motors! Oh, is this a spot? Hey, hey, matey. The Mandara's below. Look, Sandy, if you've steered wrong, you'll find that ship if you have to dig up the Red Sea. It's here. I'll lay me word to it. Okay, let's not lose any time. It'll be light enough before long. Get into your diving suit. Well, Rocky, there's no rush about it. Just listen to me. We didn't come all the way down here to talk, Sandy. Let's go. Rocky, I I can't do it. Why? I promised somebody. That's all I can tell you. If we cut it off now, there'll be no harm to any of us. Here's the diving suit. Take off your jacket and get it on. No, 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 Rocky, let go. Let go. I warn you, matey. Diving now, Sandy, if I have to break your neck. No, No, Rocky, I'll get it. That's mine. Oh, something you're hiding in your jacket, huh, Sandy? Neat little bundle. It's nothing, lad. Give it me now. Ah, as soon as I've had a look. Ah, neat stack of 20-pound Egyptian notes. Enough to take you a long way. 
Where'd you get it, Sandy? Well, it's mine, Rocky. Just me life savings. Oh, it's real clear now. This money's a payoff, right? Well, uh, I tell you... Who are you blackmailing? A missing captain of the Mandara, maybe, huh? He's a dangerous man, Rocky. Sure. You had a great way of bringing the captain to terms. You threatened to salvage the Mandara, then splash my picture all over the papers. While I was a sitting duck, all you had to do was sit back and wait for the payoff. I was going to split with you, Rocky lad. With me hanging by my thumbs, like Pete Limbo and the rest of the crew? Now, matey, you wouldn't suggest that I did that. Why not? What do you know of a Chinese named Sen Wong Lee? Nothing at all. The captain did it, Rocky. He wanted rid of them that knew the Mandara's secret. Who is the captain? Where do we find him? Uh, Rocky, you know I can't tell you that. I made a promise. I'm a man in my word. Get the port, sir! Look, Rocky. Coming out of the fog. There's a big ship. Suppose they see us? Aye. She's drawn in close. She don't turn alongside. Now, Rocky, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Rocky, you know who it is. Easy, Sandy. Maybe I do. Yeah, it's Maxon, the insurance man who came to my office asking about the Mandara's cargo. He had to be here before that, Rocky. It's the captain himself. I see. Better answer him, Sandy. Talk fast. Ahoy, captain! It's a mistake. I wasn't meaning to cross you. He's coming at us. He's going to ram us. Get off this tub, Sandy. Jump. Well, after that, there was a lot of splashing around. I saw the captain swing about to get a look at the results and maybe try for us again. Just then, we heard another sound. The sun's rays cutting the fog pointed out a speedy Egyptian Coast Guard cutter bearing down. The captain changed his course, but he was way too late. Their warning shots were enough. The captain cut his motors, and it was all over. A few minutes later, the crew of the cutter had pulled us out of the water. It seemed Sam Sabaya had been way ahead of me again, and had tipped off the Coast Guard to watch for trouble. Well, there was nothing left for Captain Matson, whatever his real name was, except to make a full confession, including the murder of his crew. Not long after that, a government salvage boat brought up the bodies of Sen Wong Lee's brother and his wife. But so far as I know, McQuill's money is still floating around the Red Sea. Well, back at my tambourine in Cairo, I had no more than settled down in my office when I heard a tap on the door. Come in. Yes, Jordan? Well, Ming Lee. Yes, Jordan. I've come at the command of my father, Sen Wang Lee. Oh? My father sent me with a gift from his house for your kindness. This ancient wind bell. Oh, but this must be of great value to your family. I didn't ask for anything. You will honor my father by accepting it. Why, of course. Give your father my regards. Also, Mr. Jordan, my father wishes you to know that he feels deep gratitude and devotion to you. Wait, Ming. Yes. How do you feel? I feel that my father is most wise. (laughs) 
CBS again at this same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Jack Moyles plays the title role with story by Gomer Cool and Larry Roman. Rocky Jordan is produced and directed by Cliff Powell with original music by Richard Arant. Larry Thor speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you.